0: This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM,
1: thanks to New Zealand On Air. mai mai te irirangi kitea. Welcome to our show, Talking About Seeing, here on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4. Each week, people who don't see and some who don't hear as well are going to talk to each other about what makes their lives tick. We have lots to talk about, so here goes. I'm Geoffrey Aiken, and I'm going to have a conversation with Beverly McCulloch as part of Talking About Seeing, an oral history project for the Alexander Turnbull Library in Wellington, as well as a radio programme on Access Radio Taranaki.
0: But I've skied, um, used to belong to the, the blind skiers. Um, first time I went up, I, my two daughters came with me, Melanie and Helena, they, I think Melanie was about six and Helena would have been around about eight, seven, eight. Um, they're both visually impaired as well. And um, yeah, we went up there and we would go yearly for quite a few years. Of course, the kids skied better than me, but that's all right. <laughs> but we had lots of fun. Um, it was good that the chairlifts would be slowed down for us getting on and off. That's I found the worst part going um, with just sighted people was getting on and off the chairlift. Um,
1: Did you follow
0: somebody when you skied? yes yep yep it was interesting really because for skiing it's i suppose it's like um a whiteout i you know what i imagine a whiteout everything just looked the ground all looked white to me and i couldn't and i still i can't anyway with even on grass can't see ups and downs so it was just looking all white and flat. And um, you know, you'd be skiing down, woo, there's a bit that's a bit steep there. Um, And it's the same walking on grass. Um, I um, used, well, my girlfriend and I used to say elephant feet, we sort of lift our feet up a bit higher than, lift your knees up a little bit higher than normal when you're walking on uneven, Um, Ground, because you don't know if you're going to be, um, if there's a lumper that you can trip over with your toe. so if you lift your feet up a bit higher, that's not just normal walking, not on a footpath when you're out, um, you know, in the country or somewhere where it's a bit uneven.
1: I share that experience with you as well, Bev. Everybody always used to say, you run in a very strange way when they watched me running because I lifted my legs up far too high to jump over all the obstacles. Mm. Can I take you back to how you met your husband, Wayne?
0: how do I meet? Oh, I met him. He was a friend of... My mum had just remarried because my dad, um, my dad died. He, he committed suicide. So um, that was a bit of an experience. Um, I was living at home at the time and um, he shot himself in the house and um, it was me who went in to see what I could see and sort of um, ended up, you know, sort of taking charge of things um so my mum remarried a year or so later and um my husband Wayne was a friend of her new husband's so I got to know him um through that
1: and then you never looked back you found you found the right man in your life
0: exactly yeah he was a great man he he died um nearly five years ago now and yeah, he was a good, good husband and a, a great father. The kids all, you know, still talk about him. And yeah, he was, a, he was a good man. He he didn't have a very good upbringing, um, and of course, mine wasn't fantastic. Being away at school and yeah, no parents really. Um, so we wanted a you know a family. So family was important to us. Um, got four kids, and um, we were hardly ever home in the weekends. We um, would go camping, four wheel driving. We had a batch um, around the south coast of Wellington um, between. The Red Rocks in Macra, we had a coast uh, batch there. You needed four-wheel drive, we still need four-wheel drive to get to it. So we'd go there a lot or we'd just camp on the beach. We always took the kids away at Christmas to um, trips around the country, all up, they've been just about everywhere in New Zealand. Um, we also had a batch in, the Akatara was in the, in the country areas by the river, so they we were swimming. And kids would go down the river in tiles, tie, tires. <laughs> um, and you know, that was good for my visually impaired children as well, um, two of them. Um, it was a place where they could ride push bikes where we wouldn't let them ride on the road at home, but they could ride a push bike up in the Akateroas, which was, you know, giving them a chance to, to, um, yeah, feel that that freedom. I've never ridden, well, I've been on the back of a tandem, but in the back of a motorbike, but I've never ridden a push bike. Um, yeah, I just feel it's too wobbly. <laughs> I'm too wobbly, what Make I make the bike too wobbly.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So you had your children quite when you were still quite young, and I think your firstborn, your son, has normal vision, and then your two daughters after that had the same eye condition as yourself. That's correct, isn't it?
0: That's right. Yep. Yep. So
1: you, that must have been a shock for you.
0: Well, when 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 I had Eugene. Um, I was 21. Um, It's funny because we got his, while he was in hospital, we we had his eyes uh, checked. And then and he was fine. And then Helena came along and we didn't even think about it because Eugene was fine, assumed that um, Helena would be fine too. And I remember she was six weeks old and it was Christmas Day and of course the baby was getting passed around and um, a friend of mine said, um, I think you should talk to the Plunkett nurse and have her eyes looked at and um, she could see the cataracts. So yeah, that it was, a, I suppose you'd say it was a disappointment but it wasn't the end of the world. But um, It was a disappointment because we had planned to have six kids and we were going to have Eugene and Helena and then wait till Eugene was nearly ready to go to school and then do it again and then again. Um, So when that happened, when Helena was, we realised she had the cataracts, we um, decided we'd have one more child and the specialist told us that if, if I had a boy, it more than likely wouldn't be visually impaired. So poor old Melanie, while, while she was, um, while I was carrying her, her name was Jamie, and she was going to be a boy. And um, when she was born in the delivery room, the doctor told me then that she Yeah, that she had the the congenital cataracts. So at that time, I had planned anyway, even if it had been a boy, I'd planned to um, have my tubes tied because I didn't want to have any more blind children. um, One, but then end up two. So I had my tubes tied, and um, the girls had their operations. they were about four or five months old when they had theirs, so um, you know we we just I knew what they could do. I knew that they you know they weren't molly coddled at all. I <laughs> yeah we pushed them. So um, I yeah when we went camping and all that sort of stuff, they like I said. Road push bikes. They climbed rocks. They did all sorts of things that um, some people wouldn't have let their visually impaired children do. Um, in the end, we um, applied for adoption, and we um, we were lucky to to have a a little boy, Damien. So they wouldn't let me have Damien. Well, they wouldn't let me have a baby until. Eugene was at school because I didn't think I could handle um, four under five, but I handled three under three. So <laughs> yeah, with Wayne's support and um, and him not worrying about if the washing wasn't folded, things like that, as long as it was food. Um, yeah, things were good.
1: Did your daughters have to wear spectacles after their surgery or did they have to have lenses?
0: The girls were, wore glasses. I remember Helena; she must have had her first operation, well, she'd for her first glasses. She was eight eight months old, and um, being visually impaired, babies are usually a bit slower, like sitting up and crawling and walking, and um, I remember laying in a pram and, and a woman telling me off for having, giving my, putting ba- glasses on my little baby that it was so wrong. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's old people. Um, so yeah, they wore glasses right through until, I think Melanie was about 15, 16, and she was into the makeup and she was a girly girl. and so she wanted to get some contact lenses um, because our glasses were with mine still are milk bottle bottoms as we always called them um so she was about 15 16 when she got contact lenses i think helena was more like about 18 she because she was a tomboy it's funny because helena we wouldn't let her ride a bike but we'd let her ride her horse on the road of my Thoughts were the horse was bigger and um, the horse could see. (laughs) Strange ideas I had.
1: I don't think such strange ideas. I think horses and dogs are very useful for (laughs) people who can't see properly. When they've gone on to have children themselves, and I understand that you are now a great grandmother
0: Exactly, yeah. Yep. Helena, well Eugenes had had three children. all their eyesight was fine. He's got the only girl. I've got 11 grandchildren, one granddaughter and ten grandsons. Um, Helena, who her, her sight was not too good, both her boys inherited it, but they had the operations when they were 10 days old and they had contact lenses, which was really hard for the girls to cope with because the babies would cry or just rub their eyes and they'd lose the lenses, they'd get lost in the bedding, and, or if they picked the baby up, you know, they'd end up on the floor, and the girls spent lots of time crawling around the floor trying to find these stupid lenses. But they persevered and um, both Helena's boys are driving uh, just because of, um, you know, persevering with the lenses and having the cataracts removed at um, 10 days old. Melanie's got four boys, um, two inherited and two didn't. Um, Her eldest one, he is he had the old operations at 10 days old and the contact lenses right from birth right from then and he's um he's driving and he's just had a daughter who inherited the eyesight but she's had um her operation when she was four months old four weeks on sorry and um now she's having contact lenses but She's lucky because she only has to have them out once a a week, where um, the girls had to take them out every night and put them in every morning, which was a hassle. And then Melanie's other boy is about 13 now. Yeah, he's a real cheeky monkey now. Um, He... (coughs) He never had glasses, he went straight to contact lenses right from the beginning and he's, um, he's managing well and he'll, he'll be able to drive his sights good. Um, he's ended up with glaucoma as well, so he's one of Helena's boys and that is something that happens along with cataracts, so um, it's just something that I have to put up with. But, you know, it hasn't held them back. Um, they had a little bit of extra help at school. Melanie homeschooled her four boys. Um, yeah, they are all doing good.
1: Very good, and congratulations. <laughs> You've been mentioned going to meetings, and I am aware that you have been an advocate on behalf of people who don't see properly. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Well, not a big one. Um, I've done a few um, talks around a lot in in Wellington and when I was living in Waikanae, and then a couple up here to service groups or um, Girl guides and things like that, kindies, talking about guide dogs and um, being visually impaired and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a big advocate. I, I, I support, I'm there but I'm not out front. I'm a bit of a shy person really um, and I don't have a lot of confidence so um, yeah.
1: Well, you have the confidence to move yourself up to Taranaki and start a lifestyle block with a <laughs> menagerie of animals. Would you tell us a little about that?
0: Hmm. Um, my daughter Helena lives up here. Uh, she'd been up here since, um, or just after she finished varsity. So um, when Wayne died, I stayed back down on Waikanae for a while, and then I thought it'd be nice to come up spend some time with her because she'd sort of, were well not grown away from the family, but she lived in New Plymouth and we were all in in Wellington in Island Bay. So um, um, I decided to come up here, sold the house and lived with her for six months. I'm not quite sure what I was going to do. I was thinking of building and then this, she's got 10 acres, um, in Saxton Road and um, this house came up it was <laughs> it's a four bedroom with an ac- acre and a half um, and it's yeah seven minutes walk down to her place I you know always say well the wine doesn't even get warm getting that down there at seven minutes um, so yeah I've been up here for two years now. I've been in my house for two years. Um, first winter I I bottle fed f- four lambs and um, two of them uh, were weathers and um, two were um, ewes and this year no it would have been the that last spring ended up with three little lambs to the two girls one had twins and um, yeah, one had a single so I've got these sheep plus the ram still there who's a bit bit pushy um, so they're my pets and then I've got ducks and chooks as well and I know people might frown at me but I've got four cats as well I always wanted um, lots of cats but my husband yeah he he always said no and you know being on your own you can do what you like within the law so I thought four cats I've got four kids Um, I'm getting old they can have one each they they can find if they don't want them they'll have to sort them out (laughs) so um, not that my plan is to be around for another 20 years anyway so the cats will be gone before me hopefully
1: well you're not only a great animal lover you're a great plant lover as well and i think you adore your garden
0: i do i do it's nothing flash. um it ends up with weeds because i have trouble trouble working out what are weeds and what aren't um Last summer I had a beautiful garden. I'd planted roses and dahlias and a whole lot of perennials and stuff and it looked really, really nice, and then the weeds came along and it's got a bit neglected, so I've just started getting into that again. I've um planted roses in pots and I've I planted an orchard the first year I got the, came up here with um, in the paddock with the chooks, but I've had trouble with the chooks digging them up all the time. So um, I bought some new fruit trees last winter and I've, I'm growing them in grow bags and that's working really well. Um, I'll keep them small, just over two meters high. Uh, the only fruit I've had from them, which is really Fantastic, because you don't usually get fruit the first year you've just bought trees. Um, I had peach cots and they were beautiful. I had th- there was 13 of those. I've kept the stones. I'm gonna have a go at growing them just for fun. I love trying things. Um, and um, I've had a six meter tunnel house built. I did plant my veggie garden first, but the pukeko's kept digging them up. So I um, got a six metre tunnel house, and um, I've got all sorts of goodies in there: beans, and zucchinis, and cucumbers, all those sort of veggies. Lots of tomatoes, tons of strawberries. I've yeah, I bought about a hundred strawberry plants because I love strawberries, and um, I, you know, I would sit down, eat a panah, just no trouble. So I thought i will grow lots of strawberries. I've also got two veggie pods as well, which um, that's how I started off after the goes, We're eating them, growing broccoli and collie and things like that in veggie pods. So it's time again to plant seeds. So I, you know, I like to grow from seed. So that's my next. I'm off for the weekend, and my next next week I'll plant my broccoli and cauliflower and leeks. It's a bit late for leeks, but I'll plant them anyway.
1: <laughs> and this is really what helps keep you busy and alive.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Pot around. I I don't really. Yeah. I I don't really get out a lot. Um, but that's my choice. I, I belong to, um, I go to about three different meetings um, and go to the club on a Thursday night usually, have a few drinks and a meal with uh, the girl like I, I um, went flatting with in, in, New- um, in Wellington. I met up again, she was living up here. So yeah, we, um, Go and have a couple of drinks and because she lives alone, so we have a meal out, we don't have to cook that night. So that's really good. But I'm i I'm just happy pottering around at home. Only trouble is I've found um, <laughs> Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> so I've got all these challenges I want to do. I've been looking at I my next thing to try is I want to have a go at um, grafting all different types of fruit or types of um, like all different, three or four apples onto one apple tree and things like that. So that's my next thing I need to, I need, I've looked on the YouTube, but I also need someone to, need to find one that verbally tells me what they're doing. Um, I mean, it's all right to look, but I can't really see what they're doing. So they need to narrate to me. But that's, yeah, that's my next thing growing trees from pips and grafting.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. I admire you a lot for what you do in your garden, and I admire your hands for doing all this hard work.
0: (laughs) Well, they say use it or lose it, so I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to keep my brain hopefully going for another, another 20 years. I'll be in 90, 94.
1: (laughs) Do you have any other desires for the immediate future? Apart from learning how to graft fruit trees, which sounds pretty tough to me.
0: Not really. I've... um, I... belong to the Blind Citizens Association, so um i represent the group up here and i'm wanting to try and get a, a get a group together so my next challenge is um organizing a meeting and we'll have to have it at my house because at the at the blinds foundation they um won't have people people can't come if they're not vaccinated and i'm sure that we can't just you know everybody's not vaccinated so i feel if we have it at my house i'm not fussy i'm vaccinated so i'm i'm okay um so that's my next challenge but you know it's, it's hard because i don't know the people um and like i keep saying i'm Shine. I don't have a lot of confidence. I. So, um, we'll see what happens. I'm also the um, on the executive of Wellington. Oh, not Wellington. New Zealand View. that's a group of women um, vi- visually impaired, empowering women. So I'm involved with that as well. So. Um,
1: were you involved with that down at Wellington?
0: I was, yes, I was there, there right at the beginning when it was established in the eighties. So, um, yeah, I've been there right, right from the beginning, so.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about how you see ABC in view?
0: Well, view, I would like to see the view chat, view, um, Concept up in New Plymouth change, but I yeah I'm only a newbie, so I can't do that. Um, in Wellington, we we were more social. We um, had our meetings in the weekend, and we'd all bring a plate and have potluck lunch, and that was a time for talking. Um, you know, be, because you have people there that. Well, people like like myself and my friend June, and that we've we've been visually impaired all our lives, so we we know all the tricks of the trade. And then there's people who're newly lost sight, and this is a time around food um, where you know I feel that view up here is missing out on. Um, we used to have a a speaker or we'd have something in the morning and then we'd have a meal and then we'd have um a meeting in the afternoon just you know look at finances and all that sort of rubbishy stuff you have to go through um but up here we have a coffee morning but if we have a meeting once a month we have coffee morning one month and a meeting the following one but when you have a coffee morning, you sort of all, because it's in the cafe, you're all sitting down. You, you know, you could talk to the person next to you. But when you're sharing a, a food, it's different. You can stand around and talk or swap seats or whatever. So, yeah, I miss that part of the view up here. Um, and the association is the. Blind Citizens, that's a group that's been going since I think 1945 and it's run by the blind for the blind. It's um, an advocacy group, Um, it's a um, group, awareness group to, to you advocate for, to the, um, the public. Like um, with COVID, it's, it's advocate advocated. It got um, everything written in large print and um, a lot of stuff put onto emails that we could read. Braille um, kept us in, informed of what was happening around the country. Um, they organised um, us being able to organise um, someone to come and voting with us. They've organised telephone voting. Um, yeah, they organise. We're not organising canvassing and and um, getting so much stuff done through um, through the government, like. Well, through City Councils at the moment, um, we've been canvassing about these, these scooters on the, um, you know, these electric scooters on the footpath going 20 kilometres an hour or whatever, or the scooters just been left on the side of the footpath. And, you know, we, they are causing so much trouble for visually impaired people. Um, they're quiet. Oh, and now, the latest thing is the electric cars because you don't hear them. So, um, I mean, I've crossed in front of a, a few push bikes in my time, and I have had someone swear at me, but um, well, you can see I can't. <laughs> but, you know, all these little things, people seem to assume that. The Foundation of the Blind, or now what they call themselves, Blind New Zealand.
1: Blind Low Vision New Zealand.
0: Yeah, they've changed their name again. Um, yeah, they, it's been assumed that you know so much of that stuff's been done through um, through the, the them, but it hasn't. Most of it or a lot of it has been done through um, through the association the blind citizens association it's and it's just the blind people helping and canvassing and looking after themselves
1: how have you seen these organizations change over the last so many years
0: well we won't get into the foundation (laughs) that has well it's totally changed it used you now i know there's so many more blind people now because so many of the members are elderly um and you know elderly people are living longer uh, which is fantastic i plan to um it used to be a caring place it used to be like every, once a year, um, a social worker would come around and visit. They would come off more often if you asked, but they would come around, do the whole lot of everybody, uh, they do the every, visit everybody um, and see if there's anything you needed, um, anything you want, you know, because what you want and what you need aren't always the same. And just check on you, see how you're going. Um, When I was really young, I thought used to annoy me. I used to think she was a nosy little bugger, but um, yeah, I look at it now, and I think of the the lot of people who've been visually impaired and a member of the foundation for years. So much has changed that I don't think people know what's out there. Um, they don't know what they want cause they don't know what's there to want. Um, I mean, so many people just use the talking box, um, and their first, their first, uh, session with, with the foundation and, um, is usually good. Um, they get what, what they want or need. Um, if they need a cane, or, or if they need some mobility, or if they need some help in the kitchen with um, putting dots on, on stoves and things like that. And so, they. I don't I suppose I should be getting into this. They um, think the foundation is fantastic. Um, it's a great place and. So the, the board gets this feedback that everybody is really, really happy with what the Foundation's doing. But the people who have been visually impaired for years, they are they're missing out. They don't know what's available. Um, they're cutting, all the surfaces are getting cut. They're, it's Yeah, the, now counselling's not even done through the Foundation. That's, been sent out, um, and there is a lot of member. I won't say all because yeah, the older mem, the older as and long term members, very dissatisfied of the way the foundation's run at the moment. It's yeah.
1: <coughs> getting we, too serious. <laughs> that's getting to be a serious conversation. We are. Tell me about what you think about young ones facing a situation now for growing up with blends, mm. and how do you think that works?
0: Hmm. Um, I look at my schooling and what I saw was I, I could be a champion. I've got two sports cups from being a winner. Um, That was because I was running races, high jumping and stuff like that, um, competing with other visually impaired people. What I got feedback from my daughter, Melanie, she went to Um, Kelvin Visual Resource Centre for a little while um, because her reading got behind when she was about seven or eight and um, so there was the Visual Resource Centre where the kids could go for extra help and then they would go into the school this is in primary for the other lessons and stuff and at um, playtime the kids would just sit around they didn't play any games with other other sighted people they they just stood around where yeah we were we were busy skipping or playing hockey or something at playtime um, so I feel I feel that mainstreaming I, I think it's perfect for them but kids have got to <coughs> got to meet other visually impaired children and associate with them um they used to have school camps my my girls were main in school mainstream um and i i would excuse them for, for when they were at high school from swimming um and also from um, cross country because they they were always um near, near the end they felt silly, I suppose, being girls, and the, they went to boys um, co-ed. That's one thing I made sure, because I went to Epson Girls when I went to high school from the foundation. So I was, I'd, yeah, I was still boarding at the foundation, but I went to Epson Girls. And then when we moved out to Homai, and I, um, we, I went to Manuriwa High, and I absolutely hated it. I standing up in front of boys, normal boys, and putting my book on my nose, trying to read it in front of the class. It was just, I just absolutely hated it. So um, I made sure my girls went to co-ed. But um, children growing up nowadays, There used to be school, uh, used to be holiday camps for the children to get together, the visually impaired kids, and um, they have stopped, and um, my girls went when they were little, then, um, and they met, they met other visually impaired people on those, and then, um, Melanie sent her to her her boy there, Malcolm, and Malcolm had made friends with people at the camp. It, he ended up marrying one of the girls. They were they were leaders in the end, um, camp leaders, and this group of kids that grew up going to camp once a year. Um, I met most of them at, at their wedding. They, you know, they've been friends. They would. A lot of them were from Auckland, so that the, and they'd come down for weekends in Wellington and stay in in um, apartments and get on the booze and make a mess of themselves, do normal kids stuff. Um, and you know, for them, it was good to to mixing, and that's. They met them, you know, they're all from camp, which is great, and I don't know what's going to happen with the kids, you know, not, they're mainstreamed and they're not meeting any other vision-impaired kids. It's, yeah, sad.
1: I feel that there's a bond that occurs between people who have problems with their vision, which helps balance everybody's life in a way, it makes, it strengthens us, that bond.
0: Well, we look after each other. Um, Yeah, we guide, we care. Um, Yeah, that's, I don't know, I mean, I, I've clicked on to you because you're your garden and you're such a nice person and but you're visually impaired so you understand you understand what I'm doing and yeah. It I do is. have sighted friends. I'm not <laughs> I mean I had a whole lot of friends came up for Labour weekend, sighted friends that we've we've um had barbecues for years and this year they came up to my place. So yeah. The, the friends that we had since our kids were little, the friends used to come to all the kids' birthday parties and they were at their twenty first and their weddings and things like that. So I do have sighted friends.
1: <laughs> Very good, Bev. Bev, on that not-such-good note about what the future holds for us and for the children, did you have anything else that you wanted to... Tell us about?
0: No, I don't think so. I think I've talked enough.
1: You've, you've told us a lot, and <laughs> it's been fantastic talking to you. I really appreciated it. Thank you very much. Tena ku wai wahiki tene kopapa. Haere i runga Thanks for listening. Bye for now.
0: This show was made at Access Radio. Tadanaki and New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand on Air. For more local content, search for AccessRadioTadanaki.com.